they may one not know I'm Hispanic because I'm half Mexican, half Dutch. Mm-hmm. My last name wouldn't tell you that I'm Mexican. Yeah. You know, my mom's name who raised me is Sombrano. My last name, if my name was Sid Sombrano, it might be more obvious. So the opportunity is mine. The opportunity is ours to say, hey, here's somebody. And he was raised by his mom's full Mexican and he's proud of his heritage and and opportunities for young Hispanic kids to see that is like, oh, that's a possible path. I may still want to be an astronaut. I may still want to be a firefighter. I may still want to be a car mechanic, but one possible path is a VC or an entrepreneur. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of Inno Latino. Gonzalo Alberto Peña here speaking. Today, we highlight a successful Chicano entrepreneur and venture capitalist in Utah. You wouldn't know of his heritage because of his last name, Kremenhoek, but you would know about his Mexican heritage because of his first name. He was named after his grandfather, Sidonio. I mean, it can't get any more Mexican than that. Sid Kremenhoek, as well as his venture capital firm, Album, has been one of the pillars of the local business ecosystem and is quite an example for us. On a brief note, at the time this interview was recorded, the firm hadn't gone through its rebranding process and we'll be referring to it as Peak. Also, well, you'll hear the sound of me clicking my pen every now and then. Sorry about that. In our first segment, we're going to talk about Sid's origins and how a simple visit to Nogales, Mexico awakened in him the entrepreneurial spirit. Sid is going to teach us also about how to turn failures into successes and how empathy can play a crucial role in entrepreneurship. I hope you like it. This is Inno Latino. Thank you so much for for giving me a few time, which I know is very valuable. You bet. How did you start in the entrepreneurship path, if you will? Yep. So for me, it was completely accidental. Accidental. I did not, I did not try or think or necessarily want to be an entrepreneur. Growing up, my family emphasized education and If you were a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, like me, it was become a doctor or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, you are from East LA, am I right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my I was born in Whittier, California. My mother was born in LA as well. Her parents are both from Mexico. My grandmother from Jalisco, my grandfather from Chihuahua. And, and, and for them, and I was raised by my mother, for our family, it was... His vision was he wanted his kids to go to college, and most of them did. And he, of course, wanted all of his grandchildren. Okay. I was named after my grandfather. He was Cidronio Sobrano. I remember in L.A., I remember two things with my grandfather. The Dodgers. He loved the Dodgers. <laughs> There That you was go. the era of Fernando Valenzuela yeah, and awesome. Guerrero. And, mm-hmm. and he also, my grades were important, so he would always want to see my report card. So, again, growing up, it was work really hard, get good grades, put yourself in a position to go to college and make something of yourself. And so I thought I was going to go into medicine. I always I enjoyed science and I excelled okay. in it. And at the University of Utah and later at BYU, I studied pre-med. But 
I also I majored in business because there was a program for African American and, and and Hispanic high achieving students that I did in my junior year of high school called the LEAD L E A D Leadership Education and Development. This program still exists and it takes high school juniors uh, of color and it puts them for a month into top business schools around the nation to introduce them to business. So you meet, you take classes at the university, you meet with business owners who are, who look more like you. Mm -hmm. So for me, I went to the University of Arizona for a summer. I met with, we took classes, we learned about the stock market, we learned about starting businesses, and then we would have dinners with entrepreneurs and CEOs. And then in that case, we went across the border to the Maquila Loras in, in uh -huh. Nogales, uh -huh. and we saw border businesses, and we learned about that. So for me, it was the first time my a light went on for me where I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm eating on a dirt floor with a family in Mexico, and it feels part of my roots. So I have that, but then I'm also being introduced to business, and I'm seeing other Hispanics and, and, and other people who are... Who've, been successful and so it, for me it, it was the first time I was interested like oh this is cool and so when I was in college even though I was studying pre-med I was a business major because I felt hmm. like that would be important I did not know then that business would turn out to be the path that okay. I would find Excellent. so that's the background and you started in the real estate area or yeah okay yep so my first business I started as a actually in, in, in sales for a company that sold products to mortgage companies. And with time, I, we built our own sales team and we contracted to that company. And it, that co-founder that did it with me, along with me and my wife, and then a good friend and my co-founder, as well as our employees, they would turn, they would eventually be people that we would work with again and again as we tried other businesses. Okay. Excellent. And the startup bug or the VC bug, when did it start for you? I think when we had some success and we made a little bit of money, there was this realization that you didn't have to follow a linear path to find success, business success, specifically to make money. That You could go to college and then go to medical school and then get a residency and then make some money. Or in this case, I was like, huh, I can go, I can work hard and I can be rewarded immediately for my efforts. And it, and so that, that ability to create something out of nothing and to not have rules or time that confines your success was intoxicating. I think it was after that point, after our first uh, bit of success, that we wanted to try other things. And the first one was a lot of fun, but it failed. And the next one after that also didn't work out. And the one after that finally worked out. My last startup, Zinch, took a lot of work and effort, and we had good times and bad times, but it worked out. So I think it was... It wasn't like there was a time where it just I got the bug, but I think... Once you start on that path, it's hard to give it up. You don't even realize you have the bug. Uh -huh. You just find yourself constantly looking for opportunity. And 
And even if one, if you turn over one stone and there's nothing there, you're still interested in turning over the next、mm. and the next. How were you able to get over the first two failures? I guess we went in. In one sense, they weren't failures. So the first business、uh, it was a company called Soft Spot, and we produced furniture in like giant bean bags in China. Okay. And we we I remember when we chose the name, when we chose the design, when we worked with the factory in China to build it, all the little mistakes, but the satisfaction in Salt Lake of going and pulling up. And unloading a container filled with our product, and that that was just exhilarating. Now, what we found out was that it was very hard to sell those. That we had、yeah. to become marketers, and we had a storefront, and it was so much harder than we thought. So it was a success in that seeing the process, seeing what it took to successfully mark, you know, build and market a product, a physical product, was rewarding, and I'm grateful for that. From a business perspective, making money, I only lost money in the grand scheme.、Okay. So that was a failure. But I guess from my perspective, it was we knew going in that failure was an option. We were okay with that. So if you're okay with failure being an option, then you can't lose, and you come out of it that much more knowledgeable and, in one sense, even confident. Okay, the worst that can happen is failure. If you've tasted what failure, if you know what failure tastes like, then it's not scary. If you know what it's like to be a little hungry, so to speak, then you're not afraid. If you don't find a lot of food, <laughs> you, can, you can figure you can get by. Although in the VC world, there's the obviously the goal of making money. I take it that wasn't the only or the greatest motivation, but actually. The achievement of seeing something for to completion from from conception into putting into the market and that in itself, if I understand correctly, made it worthy enough, despite the fact that the original goals were not achieved. Is that why? With VC in particular, yeah, yeah. So with VC, it was really it came from a chip on my shoulder. So with VC, I remember when. Of course, all the times that VCs said no to me, you know, we did have those say yes. But I remember those. But more specifically, I remember raising money from in, some investors who made life and our startup harder for us. And I remember thinking afterwards, if I'm ever in a position to do this, I'm going to do it better. So getting into venture capital for me was. I've seen what's out there. I've seen what I love. I've seen what I hate, and and there's no right or wrong way to do this. But there's a way that I think it should be done. Okay. And, and there's an approach to entrepreneurs, an approach to how we think of our job and supporting those entrepreneurs that I think is is needed specifically in our state. And so we started it to do that. Back, mi gente, with our interview with Sid Crumminghoek and Ingla, an Ingla Latino. In this segment, Sid talks about the importance of seeing people from your community, in this case Latinos, to visualize success. 
He also gives a well-deserved shout out to our pioneer women in the local tech ecosystem. Some of these are my cousin Sid Tetro and Sunny Washington, whom I personally admire. Great job, ladies, great job. He also shows admiration for other minority groups who have made it into the startup world through sheer grit. This is Sid Cromenhoek in Ingo Latino. What distinguishes Peak from other VC firms? And then if you'd like to delve a little bit into what is needed from the ecosystem to accept more of our people, minorities into, into yeah. the ecosystem. Yeah. Perfect. So first, what makes Peak different is empathy. We are the only VCs in this state who have started startups, successfully sold startups, and successfully navigated companies after acquisition, meaning I've been through an IPO. And that's, and I've also, of course, had failures, mm -hmm. as I've shared. I think those experiences give me a certain level of empathy with entrepreneurs that is real okay. and that founders would tell you they can feel. The second thing mm -hmm. is that we are full stack VCs to me means I source my own deals. I support and I do my own diligence on those deals. I support those deals and I sweat with the entrepreneurs in those deals. So. Every venture capital firm is different in how hierarchy and the team operates. For us, we want to stay small because we think that every member of the team on our investing team needs to be a full service VC. Okay. And so we like to give, we think that gives us, us an experience that is superior when you're in the early stages of your startup. Okay. You don't want to work with somebody's assistant. You don't want to work with a teammate. You want to work with the person who you, you raise the money from. And we'd like to keep it that way. And we think it, it gives you a different experience. Do you think that approach is going to be the key to help our people integrate into, into the ecosystem? So that's a different question. So let me answer that. I think the key there is, I think the biggest thing is, You have to see people like you doing this. There are people who have, who have done this for other underrepresented demographics. Let's say women. Mm -hmm. I think our state has done a good job of putting a spotlight on the women mm -hmm. who have taken an unconventional path, perhaps in the history of Utah, the women who are in the minority in Utah and the women who have decided to be entrepreneurs, uh -huh. the women who have taken and, and fought and found their way to senior positions at tech companies, people like Sid Tetro, yeah. people like Kat Kennedy, people like Sunny Washington. These are people who, because they exist, a young girl, my daughters can look and say, there are women who have already done that. It is possible. Okay. There's an opportunity for minorities, let's say Hispanics in particular, where most people don't know. Name a Hispanic VC. They may, one, not know I'm Hispanic because I'm half Mexican, half Dutch. Mm -hmm. I, my last name wouldn't tell you that I'm Mexican. Yeah. You know, my mom's name who raised me is Sombrano. If my, last name, if my name was Sid Sombrano, it might be more obvious. So 
the opportunity is mine. The opportunity is ours to say, hey, here's somebody. And he was raised by his mom's full Mexican and he's proud of his heritage and, and opportunities for young Hispanic kids to see that is like, oh, that's a possible path. Okay. I may still want to be an astronaut. I may still want to mm -hmm. be a firefighter. I may still want to be a car mechanic, but one possible path is a VC or an entrepreneur. I think that pointing that out to young for young people to see is one way to right. say that's a possible option. You don't have to do that, but that's a possible option. Like for black kids, when they saw Barack Obama elected president, it's, oh, you can be president of the United States. So mm -hmm. there was a time when I grew up when Tupac rapped about, are we ever going to see a black president? Now there's a different way to rap. You can say, we had a black president. Mm -hmm. So you need, I think the most powerful thing is seeing people who look like you. That's what it was for me. I was in, I told you, Tucson, Mexico, Tucson Arizona, mm -hmm. and then Nogales, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing business owners who looked like me and who had backgrounds like me. So, so I, I think that's one of the biggest things that can happen. Okay. Thank you. If I was Latino entrepreneur that is just struggling, sees that his share of the market is just too small, he wants to enter the Anglo-Saxon market, but he sees himself like cornered and unable to to take the next step. What would you recommend him for him? Yeah. The most important thing you do as an entrepreneur is understand your customer. It's what informs how you build a product. It's what informs how you conceive that product. It's what informs how you sell that product to your market. And what you find as an entrepreneur is that my last business, I was selling a product to American universities and I had never worked at a university. I had of course been a student there, but I didn't know academia and that doesn't matter. What matters is less of, are you a Hispanic entrepreneur? Are you a female entrepreneur? What all entrepreneurs share and what we all have in common is It's not about you, it's about your market. Understand your market, become part of the market. That doesn't mean it can't be hard sometimes, but it's always gonna be hard yeah. to varying degrees. And certainly if you're uh, part of a minority group, there's a mental and a real sometimes barrier that you feel in that you have to overcome. But entrepreneurship's hard enough that I think you just have to concede that even if I was white working with a, a white market yeah. it would still be really hard yeah so let me forget about that and say you know what it's about me understanding and getting into that my customer whether my customer early on is vcs and i'm pitching them whether my customer is a market that's characterized by people who look different than me i remember we had an initiative to sell our product to hbcu universities, these are historically black colleges yeah. and universities where everybody, administration, students, yeah. the majority were black. And I remember going on a campus, I think I was in Washington, D.C. or maybe Philadelphia, I can't remember. And I remember thinking, man, I don't look like you. So it was a new paradigm. It wasn't that it was, I had to, I found myself in a situation where I had to understand that audience better and figure out how to tailor my product and my message and my pitch to them. Okay. So I think it's the good news for entrepreneurs is 
we have a history in our country of the best entrepreneurs, many of the best are immigrants. And, and though they may have a disadvantage in language or color of their skin or how they were raised, they have a huge advantage in that they have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> they have something to prove. They've come here. A lot rests on that. And so for every reason that it could be a disadvantage, I think it can serve you as something to fuel the fire. Mm. And I've seen that in the women, you know, female entrepreneurs who I've come across in VCs to, to African-American entrepreneurs in VCs. I think there's a pride that they have that they want to represent something, their culture, their people, and they want to break into something where maybe they haven't been a part of it historically. I love that. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. You bet. episode for today some of the song some of the some of the lessons I took from my conversation with Sid is the importance of going back to our cultural roots to find purpose and motivation in life another lesson is the impact we can have on others just by is the impact we can have on others just by doing our best whether you consider yourself very successful or not. You could be an inspiration to your... You might be an inspiration to your community right now simply by staying the course and doing your best. Now, go out there and keep inspiring others. This is Gonzalo Alberto Peña and this was Inno Latino.